Well, good morning. I am very glad to be able to be here today. What I'm going to speak to you about this morning really fits in both the video you just saw and the ministry fair that's coming up. And what I want to speak to you about is serving and growing and leading. And what I'm going to be able to do, hopefully, is to present to you a very simple model that will help you think about how you serve and how you grow and how you lead. What I want to do to begin with is to begin with some Scripture, and the Scripture is from Ephesians chapter 4, 7 and 8, and then 10 to 13. And it says this, But to each one of us grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. This is why it says, When he ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to his people. He gave what to you? Gifts, thank you. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers. Now here's the critical part. To equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Now what I'd like you to all do, if you will, is stand up for a moment. On the screen where it says in the third line, to equip, we're going to all say this again because this is the critical scripture to understand for our morning. To equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. And so, God, my prayer this morning as we think about this Scripture, as we think about some of the gifts you have given us, that your Holy Spirit will be present in us. And you won't just be present with me, but I ask you'll be present in each person here, that they will hear your voice speak to them in a very personal and intimate way. We pray in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. Please be seated. So, we're going to talk about serving, growing, and leading through spirituality, chemistry, and strategy. And so, you're going to learn, I think, pretty well this morning how spirituality, chemistry, and strategy work together. And what I want to suggest to you is that these are three of the gifts that God has given the body of Christ to do ministry and to do works of service. Um, one of the things that we're going to do in a minute is, if I can go to the next slide, first of all, I'll, I'll show you the model, and then I'll have the question for you. So the model is very simple. It's the model of a stool, and it's a leadership stool is what I call it, and it's a three-legged leadership stool. Now, how many of you know which is the right number of legs for a stool? Okay, I have flummoxed you with that question. You all have been in a place where there are four-legged stools, and what are those places called? Restaurants. <laughs> Do you remember this? You lean on the table, and one leg is shorter than the other, and your water goes flying off. That's a four-legged stool. doesn't work very good. Now, I imagine that none of you ever here grew up on a farm. Anybody grew up on a farm? 
Yes, yes, we have a couple hands back there. On farms, there used to be something called a one-legged stool, because if you milk cows, it was very quick to grab that one-legged stool, run over to the next cow, sit on that, and milk a cow. But of course, the very best stools have how many legs? Thank you very much. And the three legs we're going to look at today are spirituality, chemistry, and strategy. And I'm going to define those for you in just a minute. But what I want you thinking about as I define these three is which leg are you most gifted in? One of the things you're going to discover very quickly of out of these three legs, spirituality, chemistry, and strategy, God has given you a special gift to use from Him, and it's one of these three legs. So do you understand your assignment? In just a couple minutes, you're going to be able to figure out which is your strongest leg. So let me talk about these. The first leg is spirituality, and I've defined it here, the gift of desiring to know God leading to a deep spiritual transformation that brings about the life-changing work of God in your life and those around you. Now, spirituality people are the deep people. These are people who are hardwired by God to respond pretty naturally and pretty quickly to Him. These are people that like reading Scripture. These are people that find prayer often is somewhat a natural thing that happens in their lives. I want to give you a quick example of how important spirituality is in the body of Christ. I met with a church about a year or two ago, and the superintendent of the conference was with me there, and we were meeting with their leadership team. And this church had been going through some struggles, and so to start the meeting, the chair of the leadership team said, well, we have an important agenda to cover, but before we do that, I'm going to ask, and he named the name of the vice chair and said, would you please start our meeting in prayer? So she prayed for 25 seconds, and he said, all right, let's start through our agenda here. Now, I, Dave Olson, who works for the Covenant Church, thought possibly they should do something else before they got into the agenda. Do you know what that was? Pray for longer than 25 seconds. So I kind of, in a very nice way, sort of stopped it and said, you know, I wonder if before we get into agenda, we could spend some time together as a group praying, and then that'll probably help us as we go through the agenda. So they thought that was fine. So I said, what I'll do is I'll start and pray, and then some of you can pray, and then I asked the superintendent to close the prayer time, and we'd go on to our agenda. So I prayed for 30 seconds, and then I closed my mouth waiting for the next person to pray. How long did it take for the next person to pray? Any guesses? Five seconds, 30 seconds, a minute, two minutes, five minutes. Okay, here's the right answer. At the end of seven minutes, I could not stand it anymore because no one had prayed And I nudged the superintendent and said, you better close right away. Now, do you think any of those in that room were strongest in spirituality? Probably not. And so I want you to kind of feel how important it is in a church to have people that have this spirituality instinct as a gift from God. 
The second one I want you to look at is chemistry. So chemistry is the gift of personal engagement with people that creates joy and love in relationships, groups, and your church. Chemistry people, these are, if the spirituality are the deep people, the chemistry people are the fun people. The chemistry people like exciting things happen, and they love having fun together. The chemistry people are ones who bring the fruits of the Spirit to your church. They are really good at love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, all those kind of things. And uh, they're a very important part of the body of Christ. When I work with churches and help them think about these three categories, spirituality, chemistry, and strategy, do you know which one is often the forgotten category? It's actually chemistry that very often Christian leaders do not understand how critically important chemistry is to a church. So I have to tell an inside story on the covenant, and you're not allowed to reveal this story to anyone. Raise your hand, I hereby promise. Okay, so I meet with a group of the leaders in the covenant every month, and in that group, for the last two years, guess how many people we had out of nine that were strongest in chemistry? Zero. A big fat zero. Tell me how you think those meetings were. (laughs) Dull, boring, not a lot of group engagement, not a lot of smiling and laughter. Well, just this week I was at a retreat with this group, and one of the individuals had uh, resigned and had taken a new position and her replacement is Megan, and Megan is a chemistry person. And she actually was assigned to do the uh, devotional the first day. And it was fabulous because for the first time in a long time, she really engaged us, and she had us connecting with each other. She had us having some fun together because why? She's a chemistry person. She knows how to give that gift to the body of Christ. And then the third one is strategy. Strategy is the gift of an envisioning the future, then creating a process of sequential actions that produce fruitful ministry in line with God-directed goals. So strategy people like organizing, planning, implementing— Strategy people are not happy if something physical does not happen. So in a meeting, if you met God and you had fun, but you got nothing done, is a strategy person happy? No. They're activists. They've got to get something done. They've got to translate the spirituality and chemistry into real ministry in the world. And I hope you can see how important it is to have that third piece. So, Here's what we're going to do. How many of you think you might have a sense of which is your strongest gift of these three? Okay? I have done this with all sorts of groups, and I've discovered that everybody, about 97% of you can figure out for yourself in about three minutes accurately which one you're strongest in. Okay? So here's the deal. We're going to start out with spirituality, And I'm going to highlight my wife right over there. So for one second, Shelly, just stand up. Guess which is Shelly's strongest? Spirituality. 
So if you're like Shelly, I want you to stand up with her. Okay. Okay. Now, one of the interesting things, what you just saw here happens, no, no, stay standing. What you saw here happens all the time. The spirituality people get up very slowly. (laughs) Do you know why this is? Because they're very humble people, and they don't want to, you know, be vain and standing up. But so I want you, spirituality people, come and stand right here in the front so we can see you here. Come on, come on. Just right up here. See? They're a little cautious about whether they should have this vain display of their gift. And I kind of feel like Billy Graham. There's more coming. So, okay, I think we maybe got most everybody here. So these are people that go to New Community Church that are strongest in spirituality. Now, do you think they play a really important role in your church? A really important role. And what they do is these are the spiritually-minded people that make sure our focus is on who? On God. These are the God-focusers in your church. And spirituality people, that's a simple way to describe what you're here for, is to make sure the eye of the church does not get off the Lord, okay? So thank you for coming up. You can go be seated now. Now, Shelly and I have four children, but our youngest daughter has just started North Park, Kate Olson, and guess which one she is strongest in? So stand up, Kate. She's strongest in chemistry. Oh, you can just kind of see it in her smile and that sort of thing. So if you're strongest in chemistry, please stand up. Okay. Now, did you notice this group stood up faster than the spirituality people? No problem there. So I want you chemistry folks to come and fill up the front of the auditorium here. Now, let me tell you some of the things that go on when chemistry people come to the front. One is while spirituality people do not talk to each other as they come to the front, usually chemistry people talk to each other. And I'm a little disappointed in this group because usually there's laughing, there's high fives. Anybody want to do that? This is your people. These are your peeps here, right? These are the kind of, way to go, way to go. <laughs> so chemistry people are a party waiting to happen. Is this not right? You just love being with groups of people or individuals where you can connect in an emotional way, love people, have fun together. Is this it? And there is an energy that comes from the chemistry people. I was a church planter, and Shelly and I planted four churches like Peter planted New Community. And when you plant a church, you realize, boy, if I have 10 friendly people, this is going to go well. If I have no friendly people, this will not go well. These are your friendly people. Okay, you may be seated.
And then the third one is spirit, uh, strategy people. Strategy people, we have to get something done. We have to make sure it's just not ideas and it's just not talk, but there's actually a physical product that is regularly happening to propel forward the ministry of Christ. So if you're a strategy person, please stand up. Oh, we've got a quick one right there. Okay. Okay. So strategy people, come on down to the front. See, now that was predominantly the chemistry people that were clapping because they finally realized their role in the church here. Good. So, strategy people, I have a question for you. If you're in a meeting and at the end of the meeting nothing gets done, how happy are you? They're very unhappy people because they have to get ministry happening in the real world. So they're very much tangible people. They want to know when it's going to get done. They like deadlines very often. They like physical results to happen. These are what I would call activators. Does that sound right? You're kind of impatient. You want to make sure we're not just sitting around talking about it, but we get something done in our world for Christ. And so as they're seated, you can give them a round of applause as well. Now, Shelly and I have three other kids, and you saw that the three of us here are spirituality, uh, chemistry, and strategy. Our three other kids are spirituality, chemistry, and strategy. We have like the double perfect family. It's (laughs) unbelievable. But I want to show you very quickly a, a picture of the three legs And I'm going to do about eight of these pretty quickly and just kind of give this to help you kind of understand the difference between these three. This one kind of is sort of where, what part of the being of God in a sense you live in. The spirituality people kind of focus on the spirit and they use their spirit to connect with the spirit of God. The chemistry people use their heart to connect with the heart of God, and strategy people use their mind to connect with the mind of God, okay? The next one is spirituality people, they like to dream. Any of you like to dream? They're kind of imaginative people. They like to think new ideas about what God could be up to and what God could do. Chemistry people like to Talk. Yes, most chemistry people have that gift and usually are not at a loss for words. Strategy people like to act. The next one will make easy sense. Spirituality people like to pray together. Chemistry people like to play together. And strategy people like to plan together. So in a church, should you do all three of these? Absolutely. Spirituality people have spiritual intelligence. They kind of know things often in a spiritual way. 
uh, chemistry people have emotional intelligence. They often can understand the feeling levels they're getting from another person and would go, there's something bothering that person. Or they can pick up in a group dynamic and tell if there's joy or sadness or that sort of thing. And strategy people have strategic intelligence. In terms of an orientation toward time, spirituality people often have a past orientation that they look backwards and really value the things that have happened in the past. Chemistry people are pretty much folks that live for today, and they're very much present orientation. And strategy people always are thinking about the future and occasionally may forget the present or the past. The spirituality people ask the question, why? Chemistry people ask the question, who? And strategy ask the question, how or when or where? So they ask different questions. Have you ever seen this one before? It's the, does your church use this? Well, anyhow, it's a good one. Spirituality is Christ. Chemistry is community. Strategy is cause. So, I want to tell you something really simple here. Go back one slide. The leg that God has given you is a God gift to you. Are you getting this? This is a gift God has given you to serve Him. In most cases, your spirituality, chemistry, or strategy gift, did anybody have to teach you how to use it or that it was there? Didn't you just know, you just know that you are wired in this way? So there's a very real sense that God wired you to be one of these three. And in a minute, I'm going to try to help you understand how you use this gift or category to serve Christ. But I want us to look at the next one here, and I want to read just a few verses from 1 Corinthians. And part of what I want you to all see here is when you read Ephesians 4, 1 Corinthians 12, Romans 12, these all talk about how the body of Christ works together in harmony and how God uses the gifts of the body to minister both within and without the church. So this is what Paul says here. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts of the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. The head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. Now, let me tell you how this works out in a church. Whatever you are, the other two groups have often ticked you off. Did you know this? Because they're wired differently than you. And you go, why do we always have to start the meeting on time like those strategy people want us to do? Right? Or why does this person have to be so stinking heavenly-minded instead of just getting down to what we have to accomplish? Or 
this person thinks the only function of church is to love each other. There's other things we're supposed to do. And one of the helpful things of this simple little tool is you will be able to look at other people, and when you discern which of the three they are, all of a sudden you go, oh, that's why God has placed them here. They're different than me, and God needs their service in a different way than I could provide a service to God. So, all three are needed in a Christ-centered, healthy, fruitful church. I want to give you two examples from your church. One I'll give a little more extended, the second very quick. And remember, next week is, is it a ministry fair after the service? You're all supposed to be really excited about it right now. Okay, yeah, there's a ministry fair, so I'm setting you up to figure out how you can volunteer in something. So you have a program here called Kid City, is that right? It's going on at this very moment, downstairs, someone in, in the caverns beneath this beautiful building. And uh, so here's what I want you to think about. If you volunteered for children's ministry and were a spirituality person, what might you be good at? I'm going to suggest a couple of things. You might be very good at teaching children about Jesus. That's something very often that spirituality people are very good at. You might have a ministry of praying for the kids either during the service or after the service. But the point is, if you volunteer for children's ministry and are a spirituality person, what gift do you bring to the table? Spirituality. Okay, how about a chemistry person? If I'm a chemistry person, I volunteer to work in children's ministry. What are the things you think I might be good at? I might be good at helping the children's ministry to be a wonderfully enjoyable place for the kids to come to so they can't wait to get there every Sunday morning. I maybe might be involved with the games and activities that go on because I just love those kind of things. So if you're a chemistry person and volunteer for Kids City, you bring something different to the table than does a spirituality person. And then if you're a strategy person, do you think the Kid City is going to need some strategy people? Yes, and what are they going to do? They're going to organize things. They're going to create schedules. They're going to create a system so you can store all your paraphernalia because you're just renting this place. They're going maybe to be involved in creating a system to recruit new volunteers to work in Kid City. Those are the kind of things that spirituality does. So you have a warming center. Now, I'm not going to spend any time talking about it, but you get the point. The same things that can go on, whether you're spirituality, chemistry, or strategy, you have a special gift or ability that God has given you that can help in the warming center. So, serve. How do you serve? You use your strongest gift. Okay? Now, that was the longest point. It was served. The second one is grow. This will be quicker. God's will for you is to get stronger in each leg so you love God more, you love people more, and you love the world more. So how this works out in the three-legged stool is I have a strongest leg, and that is, for me, strategy. I have a middle leg, 
which you may or may not know, but it's spirituality. And my weakest leg is chemistry. Okay? Now, just like you get to have a gift of God, which is your strongest leg, you also get to have a weakest leg. Isn't that exciting? And very often, you will find out in a number of ways, your weakest leg will not be your best friend. And so it could be in growing in Christ, I'm going to suggest to you that God doesn't want you just to rely on your strongest leg, but in growing in Christ, I think there's an imperative in Scripture that we need to grow in all three of these. Okay, so here's what I want you to do. I want you to ask yourself this question. Which leg is weakest for you? Okay? Now, you'll be happy to know I am not going to have you stand up and come to the front and display to everyone your weakness. Isn't that nice? And I'm not even going to have you raise your hand. What I'm going to do is I'm going to ask you to raise your hand two inches like this. Okay? So you won't be embarrassed whatsoever. So those of you who would say, I think I'm weakest in spirituality, very subtly, make sure no one sees you do this, okay? How many of you, like me, might say, I think I'm weakest in chemistry? Okay, how many of you might say, I think I'm weakest in strategy? Okay, so one of the important things in the body of Christ is to be honest with ourselves, and to know what we're good at, but also know the growth areas that God wants to develop in our lives. And I want to read to you what I think are the two most foundational scriptures out of the words, out of the mouth of Jesus. And the first one is this one. It's Mark twelve twenty-eight to 31, where Jesus says, He's asked this question. Of all the commandments, which is the most important? And he answers this. So do you think this is important, what he's going to say here? The most important one, answered Jesus, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. Okay? So there's commandment A and commandment B, the two great commandments. Commandment A is basically love God, right? Commandment B is love other people. And this is called the Great Commission. It's the very last two verses at the end of Matthew, 19 and 20. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age." So this is the very last instruction of Jesus to his disciples after the resurrection before his ascension. And it basically is saying, this is your mission. This is what you're supposed to live out in your life. So if you go to the picture of the leadership stool one more time, you'll see that loving God is what spirituality people specialize in. 
okay? Loving each other, the second commandment, is what chemistry people specialize in. And loving the world is what strategy people specialize in. But I very intentionally had us look at these verses because is one of these three things, the great commandment A, B, or the great commission, more important than the other one? Or do you think this is something that we need to live out in our lives and our church in its totality? See, I think one of God's call for me is to do all three. I need to grow deeper in loving God, but I have to grow stronger in loving people, and I have to go stronger in loving the mission of God for the world. So that's where I think grow comes in. Growing Christians take seriously the great commandments and the great commissions. Now, I'm going to give you this real quick here, but if you go to the next one, if you want to strengthen your spirituality, here's the three main areas of spirituality. It's biblical insight and passion. So that's the scriptural connection. The second one is devotional practices and spiritual disciplines. This is prayer. This is fasting. This is different ways in which you can use spiritual uh, practices to focus your attention on God. And then the third one is what this series has really all been talking about, which is sensitivity to the Holy Spirit. So if you are going, spirituality was my weakest one, these are three simple places where you can grow in spirituality. In chemistry, it works a little bit different. It's kind of the venues we live in. And so chemistry occurs in interpersonal relationships. It's one-on-one, one-on-two, one-on-three. So think Jesus. He had three disciples who were especially close to him, Peter, James, and John, and that's where he did a lot of interpersonal connection. The second one is small group chemistry. Small groups typically are between 7 and 17 people. And so did Jesus have a group that was between 7 and 17? Oh, it was the disciples. There were 12 of them. How was Jesus in chemistry with those 12? Pretty good, pretty challenging. And then large group. Large group is the ability to understand and connect with a larger group of people. Often it's 50, 100, 200, 500, 5,000. Jesus had some pretty strong skills in connecting with 5,000 people. So that's strengthening your chemistry. With that one, how it works is most of us are better at one of those three. Like, I'm probably strongest in interpersonal chemistry, and the bigger the crowd, the more difficult it gets. So I have to learn to get better at that big crowd chemistry. And then strengthen your strategy. Again, there's three simple things. Foresight means strategy people often have the ability to look ahead and know what is going to be needed. So to strengthen your strategy, to develop that ability to have foresight and to God, for God to help you do that. The second one is sequential ministry development. And that is ministries just don't poof and they appear but rather there is almost always a sequential process of developing a ministry to get it better and stronger. And that's, again, another skill a person can use. 
and implementation is how does it actually happen beyond the plan. If the architect does the plan, the builder does the implementation. It's the hard work of making it really happen in the real world. So, your second one after serve is grow. The key to growing in each of the three legs of God, and this is a really important thing to hear this, is to be captured by God's love for you, to be captured by God's love for each person you meet, and to be captured by God's love for the whole world. I believe the, weak, the reason we're weaker in our second and third lo- leg is that we have not been captured by God's love. So I'll be autobiographical. Because I'm the weakest in chemistry, one of the things I have to get a better and deeper understanding of is God's love for every person I meet. So as I spend the day in my life, at work, on the street, with my neighbors, what am I supposed to be thinking? How much God loves each person I'm connecting with. Because that's the wellspring of loving people, isn't it? Is The model is how incredibly generous and gracious God is in loving people. So I need to learn that. And the same thing of God's love for the whole world that it's just not about us. It's about how do we expand the love that God has shown us to the whole world around us. So that's grow. Here's the last one, and this is going to be a real quick one. Lead. So serve, grow, and lead. And I have an interesting observation here that I am guessing many of you do not agree with when I first say it. All Christians are called by God to be leaders in some venue. Okay? So, how many of you would fall into that category? Okay, so actually you're all supposed to raise your hand right now. Now, you don't have to be convinced yet, but I'm going to try to convince you in about two minutes of uh, discussion here. I want to suggest to you that even though most of you have often thought other people are leaders and not me, That's really not the right way to think about this. And so, here is the way I would describe this. My definition of leadership is this. Christian leadership occurs when an individual influences a group of people to move forward in fulfilling God's will for themselves, their families, their churches, their communities, and sometimes the whole world. Now, there's something really important for you to get here. Many times when we interact with a leader, this is what I think we experience from the leader. Their job as a leader is to get us to follow their will. Does that make sense? They want you to get what you, they want you to do to help them accomplish their goals in life. Have you had that experience? Often, that's what it feels like leaders want to do, but Christian leaders are totally different than that. When we lead as a Christian, the goal is never what I want to see happen. It's what? What is God's will for the person or the group that I'm working with? So, as a Christian, what I'm called to do is to lead some people or some individuals to help them think about what is God's will for their life. 
So I'm looking at my daughter, Kate, over there. And I actually think I'm supposed to be a leader in Kate's life. But my job is not to try to get Kate to be who I would naturally think she should be. My job is to encourage her to seek what? What God's will for her life is. And so for me, I am very excited Kate is starting college uh, because that's a pretty formative time to figure out what God's will for your life is. Next to her is seated Shelly. And I have some leadership responsibilities for Shelly to encourage and help her fulfill God's will in her life. Do you think she has any leadership responsibilities toward me? Absolutely. Just as much as I want to lead her in the sense of being a servant leader, helping her process what is God's will for her life, I want her to do that same thing with leading me by helping me think about what God's will is for my life. Uh, Shelly and I just moved to Chicago just a few weeks ago, and so we're living in a new place, and we have new neighbors. Do you think I have any responsibility as a leader of my neighbors to maybe initiate some relationships? That could be maybe a good thing. In the workplace, do I have a role as a leader? Does everybody have a role as a leader? So this is a really helpful way for me to think about what it means to to lead, is to think about how can I help other people in groups fulfill God's will for their life. So lead. And the question is, in which venues is God calling you to lead? Is it in your marriage? Is it in your family? Is it in the pack of friends you hang out with? Are there other people in that pack of friends who are thinking that thought? How can I help them, each one, fulfill God's will for their life? Most people don't think that thought. So that's part of your leadership role of them. How about the people at your workplace? How about the people in your neighborhood? A lot of places we can go, hmm, God wants to be to be a leader. Now, we're just about done here, and I want you to kind of just be able to spend a little time processing what this might mean to you. And what I want you to do in a minute is to ask yourself a question. But before you do that, I want all of us to stand up, and I want us to read aloud these verses one more time. So the plane is coming in for a landing. And what I want you to think about these verses is I'm going to suggest something to you before we read it aloud. To equip God's people for works of service. Which of the three legs is that? Isn't that strategy? To equip God's people for works of service. How about so the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith? That's the chemistry piece. It's that loving each other and the oneness that's supposed to be there. And in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. What's that one? That's the spirituality piece. So in a sense, Paul is praying all three of these over your church. And so I want you with me to say it aloud, the Scripture to equip his people for works of service 
so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. And I want you to stay standing for a minute, but I want us to have a little bit of time of personal prayer here. And I want you to ask this question, how has God spoken to you this morning? Is the Holy Spirit trying to say something? Is he trying to say a word of encouragement? Is he calling something out of you that he created you to be, that he wants you to live in that place in a more powerful way? Is he giving you a word of challenge or admonition? I don't know, but I do know that's the role of the Holy Spirit, that at moments like this, to slow us down and give us some real personal connection and observations on some things we need to know. So take about one to two minutes in doing that, and then the worship band will be up here. So in the scripture, it tells us that Jesus took on human flesh and dwelt among us. It tells us that Jesus did all sorts of incredible acts of healing, of love, of kindness, of challenge, of setting people free from the things that held them in bondage. But this very unexpected turn in the road took him to a road that nobody expected would happen with the Messiah. It was the road of sorrows to Golgotha as he died on the cross. And in the midst of the tremendous discouragement of the disciples at that moment, Romans 1.3 tells us that through the power of the Holy Spirit, the Son of God was raised from the dead. And that resurrected Jesus showed himself to many, many people, but there was a point of time when he ascended up into heaven. And our scripture this morning told us that when he ascended, what did he send down? He sent down gifts to Christians. You are the hands and feet of Jesus into the world. You are the ones who are to continue the ministry of Jesus in the world. And Jesus did not give you insubstantial gifts. He gave each one of you very important gifts to serve him. And that is my encouragement today, that in Christ we would live in and believe in God that he has showered us with gifts that will allow us to serve him in this world. And we're going to close our service with our normal benediction here. So please say it aloud as I do, with some enthusiasm. Come, Holy Spirit, come as holy fire and burn in us. Come as holy wind and cleanse us within. Come as holy light and lead us in the darkness. Come as holy truth and dispel our ignorance. Come as holy power and enable our weakness. Come as holy life and dwell in us. Convict us, convert us, consecrate us until we are set free from the service of ourselves 
to be your servants to the world. Amen and amen.